This is a Radio.com original. I always tell people I went to the Starsky and Hutch School of Driving because yeah. we like to sit there and chase people on the streets. We were random idiots. I agree we were random idiots, but I think the statute of limitation is over. Let's hope. We used to do stuff and slide and do all sorts of stuff after watching Starsky and Hutch. Now they call it drifting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody and welcome to a new edition of the award-winning Talking About Cars, where it's all about everybody has a car story, from celebrities to car personalities and more. I'm Randy Cardoon and this week, I believe this is podcast number 156, I'm at the Hollywood Show near LAX and the subject is the classic TV show Starsky and Hutch, where I found out that there are subtle differences between the TV show Torino, driven by Paul Michael Glazer, and the movie Torino driven by Ben Stiller, although they look pretty much the same to me. This week, my guest is Charlie Paterni. And before you say, who? Let me take you back to the Starsky and Hutch opening credits. Now, this is where you use your memory here. If you have a good memory or have seen it on YouTube lately, you can check it out. Usually, the Starsky and Hutch opening credits open on some sort of chase where the striped tomato Ford Torino is being chased by a sinister, early-looking 70s-era Lincoln Continental. I don't want to say this didn't look like it was, uh, well, rather well able to maneuver itself on roads, but it kind of looks like a whale chasing a walrus on a New York City street, especially when they had to kind of pull a U right on one of the streets. Oh, that Lincoln was brutal back in the day. But neither car was very graceful anyway. So remember how they enter that parking lot? The Torino stops. All the guys jump out of it. The two guys, Starsky and Hutch, they immediately get to the Lincoln, drag the driver and the passenger out of the Lincoln and throw them on the hood like they're about to cuff them. Well, that driver who David Soule pulled from behind the wheel of that Lincoln and threw on the hood, that was Charlie Pacherty. My role was the greatest role that I had in my life. It was, it was uh, doubling Paul Michael Glazer, driving the Torino. I did some acting parts on it. I directed three episodes, so it was a really big stepping stone in my career. It was one of the, oh, the, the best show I, I did. You know. How did that come about for you? It came about, I did the pilot, and I played a bad, bad guy driving a Lincoln, chasing downtown, and the guy doubling Paul then was a really good, good driver, a guy named Carrie Lofton. He was fantastic, and he was pretty up there in his age. He doubled Paul driving to So I, I worked on the show as an actor, stuntman, and then on the pilot, I doubled Paul, doing the staircase fall, and he liked me. We got along really great. And he said, if this show goes, I want you to double me. I said, great. And I had, at that time, I was really working a lot. I had two nightclubs, and Paul would come to my nightclub and wait for the show to go. And finally, the show got a green light. And there I was. I was coordinating Starsky and Hutch and doubling Paul Michael Glazer. Now, I remember this one scene. Was it the Lincoln scene in the parking lot where they were... Uh where they were being chased by this long Lincoln and then they got into a parking lot and then they jumped out of the car and pulled you guys out and threw you guys up against, that was that you? That was me, that was the pilot. That's the show I'm talking about, yep. Wow, And that's okay. the first time I met Paul. Uh-huh, that's great. It was, a, it was a great, great time in my life. What was the most fun about making that show? The most fun was probably stealing David Soul's beer. 
because he, <laughs> he liked to drink Heineken, and I'd always hide it on him. No, the most fun of that was, was just working with the two guys. They were fantastic to watch. They had a chemistry going, and if it wasn't for them, they wouldn't have made that. The show wouldn't have been a hit. Yeah. And I just watched Joey invited me to Paul's birthday a few months ago, and uh, they showed a screening of one of the shows, and I watched it again, and I said, wow, this is why this show went. I mean, the action was good. It all fit in, and I made it, I made it, I'll talk about that later, but, but watching the two guys with the chemistry they had and how, how hard they worked on every episode, on every scene, they got tired after two years, but this is what made it work, and it was a great show. Lasted more than two years, didn't it? No, the, the, after two years, they started getting tired of oh, working so hard on it. It lasted I 88 see. shows. Yeah. Four years. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. That was, that was such a big hit, and I think a lot of kids, I mean, I grew up going to the Starsky and Hutch School of Driving, so frankly, <laughs> I may be looking at my mentor right here. I mean, after all, I, I learned how to do things like power slides on my high go. school car and in the middle of nowhere. I always tell people I went to the Starsky and Hutch School of Driving because yeah. we like to sit there and chase people on the streets. We were random idiots. I agree we were random idiots, but I think the statute of limitation is over. Let's hope. Uh, and But we used to do stuff and slide and do all sorts of stuff after watching Starsky and Hutch. Now they call it drifting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We started. Just like when I was a kid growing up in New York. I used to jump over roofs and fences and running from the cops, whatever I did wrong. Yeah. Now they call it parkour. See, this is great because Charlie has had more influence on my driving ability than anybody in the L.A. City High School District. I just want to say thank you. For well, you're being, welcome. You, you were a, a mentor to me I'll indirectly. You, thank you. It was, it was a thrill. When Joey brought me back for Paul's birthday a few months ago and I got back in that Torino, it seemed like all 88 shows just flashed back in my mind. It just came back to me, and I had so much fun, I can't believe it. Now, you got behind the wheel of that car uh, again. So what was that like? I mean, did it just come right back to you, like, you know, riding a bike? or? Yeah, not, it came right back to me, but you know, naturally the steering is different and the, you know, the suspension and all that, the cars they have today. But when you're, when you're doing stunts and driving like I do all the time, you have the finesse of getting in a car and you feel it, whether it be a van, a Porsche, or a Ferrari. Uh, you, you get the feel of it right away, and, and, you, and, and you know it. You know, and, and, and that car, it just came back to me right away. But when I first, the first chase that I did, I remember it was downtown, and the Torino was chasing a 67 Chevy. And the 67 Chevy, I had to get the brakes into the transportation, check the engine out, put shocks in it, and I was more concerned about that. The Torino was brand new. So I thought there was nothing wrong with this. When I got in the car, you had to go like three or four blocks to get any power out of it. The rear end just wouldn't pull. So we got transportation, put a different rear end, and then it went from zero to 50, when it just picked up. Mm -hmm. So from that point on, it was great. One of the things Paul told me when I talked to him, and you can see, by the way, if you haven't heard our uh, Talking About Cars interview with Paul and uh, Antonio um, Fargus, who played Huggy Bear, and you could see it, by the way, on YouTube and also on uh, uh, SoundCloud is where our older episodes are. But one of the things he said about the, the Torino is when they first got the car, it had a bench seat in it, and he hated it because every time he turned, David uh, soul ended up in his lap. <laughs> <laughs> did you, now when you were driving it, did they have the buckets or did they have the... Uh, you know what? I No, it wasn't a bucket, it was a straight seat. Yeah. Bench so, seat. Bench yeah. seat. So the other guy that was uh, doing the stunt driving or stunt 
passenger for uh, for David. For David, was yeah, that he, was Gary, uh, Gary Epperts. He was a great stunt man. He passed away, but he was he was fantastic. Yeah, he was in. The did car. you have that issue where uh, suddenly the guy would be sliding over because it was hard to stay in one spot? Only unless you didn't put the belts on. We kind of put belts on for us, you know. Oh. If you didn't put belts on, you kind of slid around. Yeah, yeah, I could understand that. All right, all right. Toughest stunt that you did in the show that you remember just comes to mind the toughest stunt that i did i was telling joey about that <laughs> and now that i think of it well i did a lot i did the, the jump in a jeep and, and and really high and busting out the wheels and all that and a lot of good driving but one stands out we were doing a show coming back from hawaii on a cruise ship we we're going to film on the cruise ship with the ss monterey i was telling barbie and joey and we get about three miles out of Oahu Harbor, and I'm in a yacht, about a 40-foot yacht, doubling an actor named Jose Farrar. And my job is to get up to the cruise, the cruise ship and get on the rope ladder, a little skinny rope ladder, and climb up the deck, playing a bad guy. Well, I thought it was nothing. I'm not a great swimmer, so I had no wetsuit on, nothing. Now I think of it, then I didn't, because I was young and strong. i just come out of work in construction, <laughs> and I could do anything. Okay. So I thought. So the yacht pulls up to the cruise ship and the swells were, I'm telling you, like 30, 40 feet. Now I'm trying to time it. As the yacht went up, I'm trying to go for the rope ladder and I can't, the guy is not close enough and I'm going, whoa, up and down. Finally the guy said, you gotta go, you gotta go. So he makes one move at it and I make it, I grab it. And I climb the rope ladder. And I'm saying to myself, now, if I fell off, by the time they turn that yacht around, that boat around, I'm like two miles away and I'm gone. <laughs> Because I'm not a swimmer, and there's sharks in Hawaii. So Joey pulled it, he pulled the uh, clip out and showed it to me, and I get shivers when I look at it. So that was a, one of the toughest things that I did. Not then, I didn't think, but now I do. That wasn't Starsky and Hutch, was that it? That was Starsky and Hutch. Oh, it, was it, was. Hour, it was a two-hour show, and it was called Murder on Playboy Island, I think. And, uh, yeah, it was a two-hour show. You know, we look at the stunt drivers that do that kind of stuff, and we, we really but, just take for granted what you guys do. But, the, yeah, there were a lot of other things that I did that were pretty tough, like uh, the same show, actually, driving a Jeep with Jose next to me, and that doubles, and I had to do a jump out in the desert. That was a pretty high jump, and the guy that rented the car, the Jeep to us was a, a, you know, a desert racing Jeep, and when I hit the the ground all four wheels came out and he said I never saw that Jeep go that high so there was a lot of things that I did that were pretty tough that was one of them should stuntmen in your situation be getting recognized in movies and awards and that kind of thing yes they should but there's always a but in everything you say but they won't and the reason why they won't is that stuntmen have always been in the back of the actors for many many years actors do not want stuntmen in the foreground because they want to be, and that's how it should be. Yeah, but that is it? Because there's it a lot be. of people that, that say, no, no, you got to start recognizing well, us. You have to recognize them, but to a certain point. I mean, you can't. I, I think, you know, the Academy, and I'm in the Academy from 1991, one of the first five stuntmen that are in the Academy for that particular reason. And, you know, you can, you can get an award. They give you out a governor's award. I think that's what the, the most they'll give. But to get an Academy Award and say, thank my mother, thank my father, thank this, I don't think they're going to get that. I really don't, because the actors won't allow it. But on the same token, there are a lot of movies now that are not like years ago that, well, they were like Ben Hur then. There were a lot of big stunt movies. Uh, you know, like Fast 9 and Fast 8 and those, you know, I've worked on those. That uh, stunts are really 
bigger and bigger and bigger. The whole movie is stunts. But still, I don't think they'll get recognition from the Academy for that reason. Mm-hmm. That actors have to be in the foreground. Yeah. That's interesting. I, uh, do your take on that is interesting because I've heard it kind of the, the other way, but I haven't heard well, too many guys stunt people. that they think that action makes a movie. Well, some of these movies they do. But overall, what makes a movie is story and acting. It's not the action. A lot of these stunt guys say, well, without the action, it wouldn't be a movie. Well, yeah, maybe if you're going to do Fast 9 and Fast 8 and all those, yeah, Vin Diesel and those guys, well, they're just background to the action, what I think. That's all they are. They're not Academy Award people. But now you get people like Robert Downey Jr. with the Marvel thing. This guy's an actor. And there is a lot of action in that. A lot of it is CGI. So where do you go? How do you, you, know, how do you come to a conclusion of should you get an Academy Award? Again, the actors are not going to allow that. Hmm. And Meryl Streep, and a lot of them, and she's a great actress, they don't think that stunts are a science. Well, I've done some of the biggest movies around in my day, Die Hards and Lethal Weapons, and there weren't any CGI. There's an art to it, there's a science to it. When I get a script and I read all this action, like I did Die Hard 2 and Die Hard 1, and I come up with some interesting stuff, but when I read this script- What was your biggest stunt on that? On which one? Go with one, or two, go two. Well, two was the, it was a fight that Bruce Willis jumps out of a helicopter on the wing of a 747 and has a fight with the bad guy. Two fights. Now, I got to go out and shoot that. And I don't have any storyboards. I don't have anything. I'm doing second unit. This is a big, big second unit. It's not a car going around the corner. It's part of the movie, and it's big. Well, (laughs) if that's not an art and that's not a science to get that stuff off a page and put it on the screen, then you tell me what is. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these kids today are doing martial arts and stuff. There's an art to that. There's a science to that. So they may have an art and science to acting, but we do too. And we have, we have a, a, a lot of knowledge of how to put that on the screen. And I'm not talking about any second unit director or any stunt coordinator because a lot of them aren't worth it. But guys like myself, guys like Spiro Rosados, guys like Jack Gill, guys like uh, Terry Leonard in his day, and I can name a lot of them. They have an art, and they know how to present this stuff on the screen. Well, Bruce's stuntman is Stuart Wilson, who... Bruce, Stuart Wilson? Bruce Wilson's stuntman? Yeah. He's had so many. When I did Die Hard 1 or 2, it was Ki Johnson. Now he's oh, got... Oh, okay. He's got a, he's got a number he's of... He's got different. a number of them, obviously. He's got a number of them, yeah. Okay. And Bruce was great. A lot of these guys are great with, with the actors. They know... And that's another thing. When you do action, you have to work with the actor because the actor knows his character. He knows what he should do. So every time I laid on any kind of a fight or any kind of action, I would get the actor involved and say, what would you do in this situation? I can alter anything. I work with Van Damme. I work with Bruce Lee, many of them. So their input is very important because they know what they want as an actor, what their choice is. So you put that choice in his character and you put, and you put that into the fight. What would he do? Why would he do it? There's gotta be a reason, there's gotta be a motive. Action, you have, to have a, uh, you have to tell the story in action just as much as you do with the acting scene. And this is what actors like. When I did Die Hard 1, the interview, every, every stunt guy in town went up for the interview. I went and talked to John McTiernan, and I didn't talk about the action because I knew about what I was going to do. I talked about the 
characters and what their what their role was in the movie. He liked that. He picked me. I did Die Hard One, and we did some stuff in there that John didn't know about. But he communicated with me fantastic. The guy coming off the roof of the cable. He didn't know anything about descenders or decelerators. We did it practical. So there's a lot to stunt people doing their job, and it's a science. I still think you guys deserve an award, but I apparently am not an no, actor. No, we do. No, we did do deserve an award. Oh, okay. I said. I said. I didn't say we didn't. We oh, do okay. deserve an award. Yes. But I don't think we'll get it because of the fact of what I said that actors do not want to be in the background. Mm-hmm. They want to be in the foreground. Right. Right. And if stunt guys get awards, they're not going to be there anymore. Mm-hmm. John Wayne got one guy an Academy Award years ago. And he deserved it. A guy named Yakima Kanut. And Yakima Kanut got an award for a, a, a thing he did on a, a, a thing called Stagecoach, I think it was, where he jumped on a team of horses underneath it. It was, it was, it was a great, great stuntman. And he had sons, Joe Kanut and Tab Kanut. But he got an award. But John Wayne pushed it. That was the only time I think there was an award. Mm-hmm. Hal Needham, who was a great stuntman in Hollywood, he got an award. But he got the Governor's Award. He never got an Academy Award. There's a difference. So let's see what happens. Charlie Paterni could be wrong, but I don't think you and I will ever see stunt guys get an award. No, well, we'll see. <laughs> but you're younger we than could, I am. Well, we'll see. I mean, after all, Charlie Paterni could get himself and get his name out there before you know it. Well, the thing is that my day, I may get another. I'm looking to direct my own movie that I wrote. But my day is kind of, you know, with the diehards. And, and those days, I, I probably would have gotten an award maybe. But now there's so many guys out there. But they don't, they, they're all a lot of CGI stuff, mm-hmm. computerized stuff. As and a director, does that affect the way you look at it? I mean, setting up stunts and that kind of thing? No, because you can, you can set it up. They, you know, they're gonna, they'll, they'll always use stuntmen in the foreground, the green screen in the background with the CGI stuff. But you always have stuntmen in the foreground. They, they have to. All right. You know. I mean, now, you, blow up, you blow up the White House. Like on some of those movies I've seen where they actually blow the White House. A, a, a partial set of the White House. You got stunt guys running out and blowing it up. Then you green screen the White House. You know they put it all together and composite, and, and it works. Mm-hmm. You, you can do anything you want today. We can sit here and talk and have a a, a, a jet plane come in right over our head through the building. You know they, today they do anything. So what you do is you have they, a meeting. This is a very good interview, by the way. But boy, would this be a great interview if there suddenly a jet came through right over. <laughs> but that's the kind of movies they make today. You yeah. can do it. Yeah. You could do, one of my point is you could do anything you want. You sit in a meeting, and I'm the director, and I have a CGI crew, I have an effects crew, and I say, look, here's what I want. Well, we're sitting here, I want a rocket to come through right over our heads and blast through the wall. And then you do it, anything you want. Starsky and Hutch stuntman and actor Charlie Paterni. Okay, so you know the Starsky and Hutch TV show, you've seen the Starsky and Hutch movie, the same Ford Torino is being used. Obviously, it's not exactly the same car. And is it exactly the same design? Well, two owners of the famed cars say no. One is a movie car, the other is a TV car, and yes, there are differences. And talk about similarities, one of the owners is Joey Torino. The other is Johnny Torino. And believe it or not, they are not brothers. I mean, what are the odds that two guys with the same last name drive Starsky and Hutch Torinos? What are the odds? What are the odds? It just kind of happened. I know, Johnny. You know? It's true. But, of course, that isn't your real name. No, it's John Alconcher. Uh-huh. 
And how did you get into the Torino business, if you will? Um, well, as a young kid in the 70s, I was 12 years old and I was watching Starsky and Hutch and I fell in love with the car. So I told my dad to go if he would buy one and he goes, no, son, you're when you turn 16, all you're going to do is screech the tires. And so and what's your point, dad? Yeah. So anyways, long story short, he just stuck stuck to uh, buying Oldsmobiles. And when I turned 16, uh, you know, uh, I lost interest in the car. So I got in the four wheel drive trucks. Fast forward it to 2004, the Starsky and Hutch movie came out. I saw it opening day and I saw the car on the screen and I and it just came back to me. I fell in love with the car. So uh, after some research in a hot rod magazine, I seen the gentleman who made the car, made the cars for the uh, Starsky and Hutch movie. And his name was Movie Mike Walsh. And he was um, located in um, San Fernando Valley. And uh, so I contacted him and I asked him if he made restored cars for the general public. And he said no, and I said, well, Mike, this, I guess we could hang up the phone now because, you know, you don't do it. So he, he, and he said, wait a minute, wait a minute, did you see my movie? And I, and I said, yeah, I went and saw it opening day. He goes, what did you think of the cars? And I said, oh, I, I loved it. He goes, did the red pop on the screen? And I go, it was popping, Mike. So after about a half an hour, 45 minutes, he said, I don't usually restore for the general pop public is the car all there and I said yes and um, he just wanted me to bring it down to him and it was at his shop for a while and he restored it for me to the way you see it now so you have the movie car version yeah. Joey you have and you want TV version, TV version yes. you want to tell us your last name real last name uh, Torino it's my it's been that okay for a while. Okay, Joey, we get it. <laughs> wink, wink, wink. <laughs> I get it. Okay, so so Joey and I were talking inside uh, the uh, autograph show here when Joey said something to me which for some reason just kind of surprised me because I've seen the TV show, I've seen the movie, but there is a difference between the Starsky and Hutch Torino on TV and the one in the movies. And I, I don't think it's high fidelity sound or anything like that. Joey, what's the difference? Uh, the biggest difference is the red. TV car is actually 2B red. Movie car is the Viper red. When you see them right next to each other, you'll see the difference. The TV looks a lot more orange than the Viper red. Really? And the, the pinstripe on the stripe is quarter inch on TV, eighth inch on the movie. And the stripe is different completely different really i didn't even notice that yes because you here at the show you have them pretty much next to each other yeah, so yeah. so do people notice that i mean can people really spot the difference johnny um no not really i've been to shows and they don't really know movie from tv inside of the car though and mechanically it's pretty much the same right well ours are yeah. <laughs> you know but, um, but the actual TV car and the actual movie car, no, big difference. The movie cars were built a lot better, a lot quicker than the TV. 
because uh, two of our friends own the own the two hero cars from the movie, and we've been in them. So, big difference. Is that a function though of of the time they were built? Because nowadays you can really get some horsepower out of yeah. them, and maybe the gears in the back are different yes. and that kind of thing. Right. It, and right. and back in the day, they kind of used original stuff. Is that kind of what we're looking they at? They did switch the gears out in a couple of the cars back in the TV series. But basically, that was the only mod they did back then. Okay. Yeah. But nowadays, you can, you yeah. know. Yeah. I, I mean, with all the car shows you see on uh, TV, whether it's on, um, you know, Motor Trend or whatever, you know, Velocity or whatever it is, everybody's doing a car. Right. And they're really souping it up and right. doing what... Souping it up, boy, I suddenly feel like I'm a OG. Um, yeah. But that's, yeah. you know, just basically getting it to a point where it's high performance even more so. Right. Uh, the movie car, theoretically, should be a lot more powerful. Because they used pretty much the same engines, didn't they? Do you know? Um, no, I don't, I don't know. The movie cars, the, they were built high performance. Movie Mike built them up, so they're a lot quicker than the TV. Because the TV cars are pretty much the um, stock. 400s or 460s. It varied throughout the years, but the main difference, I said, was the um, the gear, the gearing. I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you have to be a real aficionado to be staring at it and going, "Wait a minute, this is the movie car because it's would you say a quarter of an inch versus an eighth of an inch?" Yeah. People, no, people actually do spot it, and the stripe is different. You know. What What's different for those of us who um, haven't seen the TV it? TV car, it's more rounded, and at the front end, to to be correct. So the hockey. It yeah. It swoops up. Movie car is more, it's not as round in the back and more flush on the line of the body crease. See, so the you can see it. If you go look at it, you'll see the difference. See, <laughs> the things you don't get unless you listen to talking about cars, you find out things about cars and movie cars that you never knew before. That's interesting. Oh, I, I find that because the rims are the same, the basic, basic function, the basic look of the car is the same. Yeah. TV car has sevens and sixes in the front movie car eight and a half in the front so there's a difference there right because 70s there's more of a rake uh-huh movie car was more level see this is my head <laughs> <laughs> this is this is my head it just exploded ladies you know, and gentlemen they, back then 70s they had the polyglass right now the bfgs the movie <laughs> <laughs> now you're getting down to yeah, the tires. I, I, I can go on and on. I can yeah. say, you, you know, I can. Well, that's true. And and do you have the now? Do you both have the Zebra Three uh, stitching on it, or is that? No, that's not. That's uh, not. That wouldn't be movie correct or TV oh, correct. Oh, good point. Right. So we do. You know, is there like, a difference, let's say, between the movie light on top of the car and the TV light on top of no, the car? Those are the same. Just as bright. The radio is the same. The, the Motorola is the same. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So biggest difference color-wise and the front wheels. Okay, you have the TV car, Joey. Which is yeah. the best? Uh, which was the best, the movie or the TV um, show? I like them both for different reasons, right? When I first got behind, I was like, do I want to go TV or do I want to go movie? And I was like... Seriously, you were asking yourself that? Yeah. Oh, okay. And I was like, to be or not to be, Okay. right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that's how I was like, okay. I was like, well, when I was a kid, right? I was 10 years old. I was like, ah... My dad was a painter, right? So, and I read in the TV guide how they did the Torino. So I was like, well, my dad's a painter, so maybe one of these days I can have my dad paint a Torino like that, right? So anyways, years went by, I did the whole Rockstar thing, and then that was over, and it was time for the Torino to come back, and there you go. So you were Torino a Rockstar? A, so to speak? 
yeah, so to speak. What was your group? Uh, I was a drummer. Let's just say that. Ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's why I'm a retired <laughs> dirtbag. <laughs> Not, nothing to say anything wrong yeah, yeah. with that. He's got long hair. That's okay. Yeah. So would we know your band? Um, maybe. But I'd rather not say what it is. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. You sure? Yeah, 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 I'm sure. All right. It's been a while. It's been a while. So. Well, a lot of people remember. They were 50s and yeah. 40s uh, channels. Now it's just about the whole Starsky and Hutch Torino thing. So. I see. Yeah. Okay. Well, in other words, he won't say it on, on uh, mic, right. so right. we'll, uh, we'll <laughs> worry about that later. Right. So uh, the story of the Torinos, where did you find yours, Johnny? And uh, was it a little old lady from Pasadena? Where did you find yours before you redid it? Um, I found it in Ceres, California. It was um, at a strip mall. These two college students were in it, and they were coming over, coming towards me. And I was just saying to myself, please be a two-door. And uh, right when I hit the speed bump, I stopped, and then the kid hit the speed bump, and it was a two-door, two-door Torino, and I yelled out the window, hey, you want to sell that? And he looked at me and he goes, yeah, um, me and my dad were tr- trying to sell this last year. And I go, well, great. I'd like to take a look at it. Can you pull over there by Derwiner Schnitzel? So he, <laughs> so he did. And I took a look at it. It was in rough shape, but I ended up buying the car for $1,000. That's just like Danny Coker in Vegas, isn't it? Were you following a one ad or what, did you just see it in a parking lot? No, I was at that strip mall uh at uh, Food for Less, and I was grocery shopping. I just finished grocery shopping. I was getting ready to leave, and there was this Torino coming at me. So I was, you know, being at the, what does it say? Being at the right place at the right time, so. Joey, what about you? Um, Let's see. I looked on and off for a while, right? And let me see, where did I find mine? I actually found mine, San Bernardino. The guy was the second owner, car was all original original paint even everything with all the chrome everything was there but it had been sitting in his his mother's driveway for years and she was ready to send it to pick apart so i actually like rescued the car and uh as soon as i could get it i got it triple a went out there and got it the next day i had it wow and you know the funny thing is my car and his car had original paint when we got them same exact color Seriously? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just like pastel one of those. yellow. Yeah, yeah. Real nice. <laughs> yeah, it's kind well, of Well, pastel yeah. yellow was big, I guess, in the yeah, 70s. Yeah yeah, I, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is there any other car you would want that interests you from the TV world if you had a chance to get one? 1966 Batmobile. Nice. Yeah, that'd probably be mine also. Yeah? Yeah. Because I would, I would say kit, but I had GTAs and Trans Am, so kind of over that. But yeah, probably that one. Yeah, yeah. The mysterious Johnny Torino and his non-brother Joey Torino about their Starsky and Hutch Torinos. One's a TV car, the other a movie car. And you could look closer at those cars because we're going to put it on our Talking About Cars Facebook page and uh, likely also on our Twitter page. And you could take a look at the pictures. And by the way, if you missed our earlier interview with Paul Michael Glazer and Antonio Fargus of the TV show, check out our Talking About Cars page on YouTube. And uh, we do the interview right inside, right inside a Starsky and Hutch Torino. Or if you want to listen to it in the car, head over to soundcloud.com slash talking slash about slash cars. It's that simple.
Next week, we hear from former NFL great Rosie Greer. And in the Hot Rod Bob report, Hot Rod Bob Beck talks to us from Bonneville Speed Week. Remember to subscribe to Talking About Cars on Radio.com, iTunes, and at KNX1070.com so that way you can be notified when a new podcast is uploaded and you won't miss a thing. And if you're listening on iTunes, please give us five stars. That's right, rate us five stars and then leave a review, a comment about what you think of the podcast. And follow us on social media. Our website is TalkingAboutCars.net. Our social media accounts include Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And by the way, when we're on Twitter, it's talk N, the letter N, about cars. T-A-L-K, the letter N, about cars. Until next time, I'm Randy Crudun. Join me as we have some fun talking about cars.